This episode is brought to you by our friends at Audible.com. Oh yeah, Audible.com, your go-to source for all things audiobooks with over 180,000 titles to choose from. There's pretty much nothing you can't find on Audible. If you wish you could read more, but you just don't have the time, you can read on the go with the power of Audible. Audiobooks are convenient and educational. So head on over to audible.com slash mad now to get your free trial. That's audible.com slash mad to get your free trial now to audible.com. Thanks again to Audible for sponsoring this episode. Now let's start the show. You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. It's showtime. So we're talking X-Men this week for the second time in the show's history, but it's oddly one of my favorite franchises to talk about. I feel like we've talked about X-Men yeah. multiple times in multiple settings. Uh, we've talked the, we talked the Wolverine movie, the Wolverine. Mm-hmm. I missed that one. I think that was a Montana episode. That was a Montana episode. And we also talked Deadpool earlier this year. Yeah. Which, of course, ties in to the X-Men universe. But this is the second standalone X-Men movie we have broken down on the show. Previously, we talked X-Men Days of Future Past with our friend Rob Fee. And that episode is, of course, available all the time via iTunes. How fun is that? That's fun to say. Look at that. That is fun to say. I love having our all our old episodes on iTunes. And it's been fun to kind of see, since they've been on iTunes, to see what episodes people have been listening to. An interesting nugget. I shared this with Richard. I don't know if I shared it with you, Brian. Uh, maybe our most listened to episode uh, of the archive stuff since we switched servers about a month ago has been Django Unchained, which was our first episode oh, no. ever. <laughs> and it makes me cringe every yeah. time I see that it's oh. getting, you know, it's at the top there among our top five oh, most listened man. to episodes. Because yeah. let me just tell you, and, and anyone <laughs> who has listened to the show can tell you, the show has changed a lot. We've changed a lot. For us, it's kind of different, but I guess it's kind of one of those things where if you're a band, you never want to listen to like your first demo if you're on your 10th album or whatever, you know? So that's kind of how it feels. It's just kind of, I don't know if I could listen to it, let alone a listener. I did listen to it. I had a good bit on there. I was proud of myself. But yeah, we should say that, uh, you know, when we first started doing this show, um, you know, uh, the three of us were friends, but mostly like I was friends with both of you. Right. I think of myself as the cog. But we didn't plan format at all. Like we just kind of sat down with microphones and started talking, and uh, kind of Kent was you know brilliant enough to kind of segment it out, and then we grew that from there. But it is weird when you listen to those early episodes. Like we kind of, in a lot of ways we had the format down, but we were kind of figuring it out as we went. So it's we it's, kind of it's, stuck it's, to the format as we've gone. But yeah. earlier then we didn't. I didn't have a setup down. We were all. It was just a weird setup. We hadn't we were perfected. sitting around a card table, I think. Yeah, so, we had we hadn't perfected yeah. how we were actually going to record the show on a weekly basis, and it's it's night and day compared to now. But I do appreciate anyone who has gone back and listened to to past episodes, especially Man. our night and day episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Richard's That's favorite, my favorite favorite movie of all time. I'm excited though because it's a new day. It's a new dawn on the <laughs> Mad About Movies podcast because. This life. marks the mm. final episode before the debut of Richard Through the Looking Glass. <laughs> which in the future, yeah. Should, we should used we to have BC and AD, and now we'll have after 
Richard through the looking yeah. glass. That's how historians will look yeah. back. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm so I'm so pumped. So the fans <laughs> demanded it. We actually we put out a challenge last week in the show. We got 50 tweets demanding the show. Should have gone a Richard. hundo. We should have gone a hundo. Uh, we did get to 50 though. So thank you to the people that uh, that did that and tweeted Richard that he they wanted the the episode to happen. So that's all it took. 50 people. It's happening. A 50 it, heroes. It's it's Richard basically um going to see Alice through the Looking Glass and then doing an hour show by himself. Oh, we never agreed to an hour. Yeah, I don't know. No, yeah. It's been full show. Okay. From from if you want to average it out, you can go through and just find the average length of all our episodes. It'll probably be actually more than an hour. So all right, I'll stick to an hour, yeah. Just yeah. stick to an hour. Just uh I just can't wait to see where it goes about 48 minutes in when it's just <laughs> It's like when you go on the radio and it, and and you're doing a, an overnight shift, and then the three o'clock, three a.m. Yeah. hour hits, and then just the weird, the witching hour we like to call it in the college radio days. That you never know what's going to happen. Uh, that episode will be out in the next week or two, but it is coming out. Um, you know, as I told you guys, I'm all for doing this. God knows, I love the sound of my own voice. It's going to be fun. Every part of it sounds great, except for the part of having to see Alice through the looking glass. <laughs> Richard, Richard through the looking glass. It's going to be fun, but uh, yeah, we're looking forward to it. I've got some ideas on the show. Um, I'll probably throw, keep an eye on the ma'am Twitter and my yeah. Richard Barden Twitter. Cause I'll probably throw some requests out for some comments from you guys because I will read those very slowly. No, we're going to, I'm going to do, <laughs> I'm going to do an entertaining show on, on, on the, uh, on the movie. And uh, it's going to be different than a normal MAM episode, but we're going to have fun with it. I actually have been cooking around some ideas. I think it's going to be really fun. But uh, uh, neither of you will listen to it. But maybe – you know what's funny is like – I was thinking about this. Like whatever, 100 people said they wanted this episode. Um, and I – how many of them will listen to it? I don't, I don't think very many. It's like everyone just knowing how miserable it'll make me. And they're like, once they yeah. figure out what it is, they're yeah, just, like, it's just gonna be like, Hey, is this Richard the whole time? Nope. That's going to yeah. be fun. No, Hard out. It's just going to be like the first 15 minutes of WTF for like an hour. Yeah. I just want you to do like art bell coast to coast. Like that's what I was thinking. Night, uh, trucker radio. <laughs> and yeah. You're live from West like, of the Rockies. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's going to be something like that. It's going to be a little coast to coast. It's going to be a little, uh, you know, sports radio-y where the blowhard guy just talks and uh, gives himself. I've got an opinion. Yeah. I have to say that. (laughs) Yeah, I can't wait for more of that. I love that in sports radio (laughs) and political radio. That's the same thing. Hillary Clinton is running for president. (laughs) We'll be right we'll back. We'll be right back. Be right yeah. back. It's like, oh wow, glad I'm here. Because uh, I've been, I've been, uh, I have particular experience with this because I've been traveling so much for my other job, which, as we all know, is uh, balloon salesman. I thought it was cotton candy. I well, you've transitioned I, to balloons. I have transitioned. I got an offer yeah. I couldn't pass up, so I. Sell you gotta, bal- you're gonna stay in the clowning industry, though. <laughs> Obviously, the, top money. I, yeah. the clowning vertical only grows as the economy grows. So. Um, and clowning, as we all know, is is getting. It's like the brewery industry. It's right. getting bigger. It's like craft beers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I. Uh, but yeah, as I go from town to town, just slanging balloons. Um, I have, but I have been into like a lot of rental cars and stuff, and you know, I run out of podcasts eventually, so I'll throw on. So I've heard a lot of like AM radio in like, you know, Shreveport, and 
Wichita Falls, Texas, and <laughs> Monroe, Gosh. Louisiana, yeah, yep. and Pine Bluff, Arkansas, and New Mexico, and things like that. So I've I've been kind of storing this in my brain, and I'm going to you know, much like the Beatles with Chuck Berry and Little Richard, I'm gonna uh, turn it into some magic. We'll see. Well, it's been a while since we've done this, fellas, and it feels overdue, long overdue, actually. Let's uh, let's talk some American treasures. Boom. So if you're a new listener, if you've just started listening to the show in 2016, you might not know what this is. We've really let you down. I don't think we've done this segment in 2016. There's been a lot of stuff happening, a lot of movie news to talk, and of course that always takes precedent over the American Treasure segment. But this is a little Hall of Fame. If you go on our website, you might have seen the section called American Treasures, and we, we have a little Hall of Fame on the show. These are people we like to celebrate, people we have chosen and anointed as the faces of American entertainment and cinema. And these people have to have three requirements. They have to be at least 50 years old or in the business for 25 years. You have to have a sense of humor about yourself. And you have to uh, be an American citizen. Or do have... a citizen of the uh, North America. Mm-hmm. Mexico and Canada, you do Yes, count. yes. Yes, we have several wings. Uh, we do have North American Treasures, and we have public figure wing of the American Treasures Hall of Fame as well. These are people that have not necessarily made their career in film, right. but are public figures that we admire mm-hmm. and that we think are mostly humorous. Yeah, and they have to have, if they are inducted into the public figure wing, they have to have some sort of film and or TV credit to their name as well. Exactly. So, the way it works is we each bring a nominee to the table, and we vote on it, and best two out of three wins. So, without further ado, Brian, who are you going to bring oh, to the table this week? It's a lot of pressure yeah. to bring this back. I'm going to go with a, a relatively new entry into this into eligibility, I guess. Okay. Uh, this man has, uh, has brought us tons and tons of great entertainment over the years. He is... Kind of the perfect foil for other funny people in in addition to being very funny himself. He's also a very talented actor who probably doesn't get enough credit for being uh, as skilled of an actor as he is, although he does have an Oscar nomination uh, to his credit. Uh, always makes me laugh when he comes on screen. Really funny dude. I love Cisco. watching him. Yeah, it's Cisco. Um, awesome. the, the Thong song is one of the <laughs> greatest greatest songs in American history i think so uh, no uh and that oscar nomination was surprising but also boring. <laughs> yes yes the video was just so good and it was a down year for and the use of thong song in lord of the rings was <laughs> shocking but oddly fitting yeah it yeah. was like rick ross and Django. like yeah. it worked yeah i i prefer the elvish version personally yeah. but that's you know it's fine it's neither here nor there um <laughs> But every time this person shows up in an interview, I always, I always find him very funny, and, and I look forward to, to seeing him work. So I'm going to bring to the table American treasure John C. Riley. Oh. I was hoping you were going to say John Cena, but okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, that would have been mine. Hey, you stole mine. <laughs> no, I don't like John Cena. But uh, yes. John C. Riley, I do love Brian. You, you love John Cena. Okay, come on. I liked it when he came out at WrestleMania. That was awesome. <laughs> With The Rock. The yeah. Rock, the Rock helped. The fact that the Rock was out there. And Trainwreck. He was funny in Trainwreck. I'll give him that. 
I don't like it. I don't like WWE John Cena. I like John Cena the person for sure. <laughs> he needs to. T- he's rumored to take over for Strahan, by the way, which would be awesome. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, that could be cool. <laughs> I've seen Fred Savage on there the past couple of weeks. Oh, that'd be good. Have you seen that? He's been really funny. Yeah, he seems. And that show got canceled, which is ridiculous. I thought that Bumper. show was funny. It got Bumper. canceled. Grinder. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Grinder got canceled. Sucks. Yeah. Man. And grandfathered. <laughs> <laughs> what Grand- a devil of a day. Grandfathered should have been with yes. Rob Lowe. That's what it should have been. That would have worked <laughs> because he's older than he looks and all that. It would have made sense rather yeah. than John Stamos. But man, that's kind Stamos of that's disappointing. Got those bongos, yeah. though. Got to give him that. Um, so my American treasure is Fred Savage. <laughs> no. All right. John C. Yeah. Let's talk C. Riley, though. Let's yeah. Talk. This is always a, a segment that is fraught with us going off on tangents. And that's why some people like it. And some people hate it. Both of whom are justified. Um, so John C. Riley's great. He's a incredible dramatic actor, great stage actor, a great singer. He's done some musical work. Um, and then who knew was this kind of great comedian. I mean, anyone that like, I mean, Step Brothers is a, a very good comedy. Some people dislike it. I think it's good, not great, but like, those performances are the fact that he can just step up with Farrell who does that. Mm-hmm. Like that's what that's Farrell's move. Right. Right. Is that kind of movie. And John C. Riley can just be like, yeah, I'm doing this for this three months and I'm going to be as good as him is it. It'd be like if, you know, um, Bryce Harper decided to play for the warriors for a few weeks and like was a great <laughs> three point shooter, you know, it's just as good as Steph Curry. Like it is crazy that he has that skill set as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's a great, great, I think one of the best American actors and is obviously hilarious. So I vote yes as well. So Kent, your vote doesn't matter, but yeah. I would still like your take. Never does. It never does. <laughs> but I love John C. Riley. Uh, he won me over 100% with Dewey Cox, yes. uh, Walk Hard. That movie is so <laughs> underrated yeah, and is. such a great commentary on not only the music business, but on biopic. you know the biopic uh phase of the the 2000s you don't want this stuff it is so so funny and great music too like you said Mm -hmm. he's a great singer and everything and in chicago which uh is you know kind of forgotten um the film version but is a pretty good film musical that mr cellophane he does is like by far the best number in the in the flick it's it's great right he uh i have no sense of smell so good (laughs) The wrong kid died. There's so many good bits in that movie, but and the uh, Tim Meadows bit yeah, where he's trying to get you him. Don't you don't want none of this, Dewey. I have no sense of smell. There, there's so many good bits in that, but Tim he's Meadows. also great. Tim Meadows is is American treasure worthy, but <laughs> or definitely O'Malley. I yeah, don't know about AT. Say, yeah, O'Malley. More, by the way, the O'Malleys are people who might not have had the career worthy uh, of American AT. treasure. They they don't they haven't had the Oscar nominations or the uh, they're not out there. It might not be the household name, but they're people that, if they had the career, would definitely yeah. be American Treasures. And, and what's the third list, Ken? So we can explain our new. We have three lists. We have American Treasures, as we explained. O'Malley's, which are people that are great but have had lackluster careers, maybe, but are just awesome. Named Underrated. after Mike O'Malley. Mike O'Malley. Right. And then we have the Pivens. That's self-explanatory. Pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> and it's yeah. people that'll never become American Treasures, <laughs> and uh, for a good reason. That should be self-explanatory again. But no, he gets my my uh, my vote, or he would have gotten my vote. And he's so funny in a movie, a smaller movie called Cedar Rapids. I don't know if yeah, we've ever talked yeah. about that yeah. one on the show. It's a really good comedy starring Ed Helms and, uh, of course, John C. Riley. 
And Kurtwood Smith, oddly, is funny in that uh, movie. He's kind of the villain character, but I like it's a it's a it's a great comedy. And John C. Riley tends to elevate anything he's in. You know, sure. he's kind of has yeah. that Will Ferrell uh, a trait where you know he can even be in a bad sketch, but it's funny because he yeah. just elevates it and to totally that. revered with as just well. solid charisma. Yeah. He did, uh, it should be said, you know, he did True West with um, Philip Seymour Hoffman on Broadway, and they, like, alternated roles. It's a two-person play. They alternated roles every night, and mm-hmm. uh, people say, people that know Broadway and know drama and theatrical drama say, like, one of the best plays they've ever seen. So someone who has an incredible amount of weight to his dramatic He's, he's a great well, dramatic which, work. And, yeah, um, which only makes comedy funnier, right? When a, exactly. When a great actor does comedy, it makes it so much funnier. Yes, he did great work in uh, dramatic work, and we need to talk about Kevin a few years ago with Tilda Swinton. Don't know if you ever saw that movie, but yeah, that's a it cool. Was, movie. It was a uh, kind of awardsy at the time, or bu- awards buzzy. Yeah, at he's the time. A great. He's a great. He's like truly one of our treasures of America. Like you know, one hundred percent. The meaning of the word. He's great. Yeah, good. No- good uh, nomination. And who doesn't like John C. Riley? He's got to yeah. have like one of the highest Q ratings, right? Like, is anyone like, yeah, screw that guy? I, I, every time he shows up, I turn off the TV. Does anyone say that with John C. Riley? He's always great. <laughs> and I he was not. awesome in Wreck It Ralph too. Yeah, great, like, great voice work too. I mean, he totally. really can do anything. Totally. That's crazy. Yep. But uh, congratulations, John. Right. Yeah, and your your denim vest is on the way. Yes. We send denim vest to every every person that gets nominated with a um, kind of uh, embroidered Teddy Roosevelt riding an eagle on the back. Well, with an American flag lining, by the way. Right. Too. Mm-hmm. Heck yeah, of course. That, that's a plot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Richard. All right, mine's kind of a bummer, and so I won't go on too long because I love you guys, and I don't want to bring down the pod. But this is one we yeah, definitely save should that have. For, for Richard through the looking. Yeah, that, yeah, it's going to be an hour of bummer. <laughs> um. <laughs> just me weeping about like my childhood and stuff. It'd be great. Uh, look, it gets is... really depressing yeah, at the end. <laughs> Richard through the looking glass. He tells everything. Gosh, can't just, wait for this episode. It's just yeah. op-ed at the end. Uh, complete. <laughs> Go. Uh, Moist. But this one sucks, and it sucks that we never got him in there. And I can't believe I didn't. And it was just oversight by me. But you know, he's gone now. So we're gonna do a posthumous American treasure. Gary Shanley. No. Yeah. Yeah, I guess Richard. We got to can... get him in, right? I mean, yeah, he's, yeah, he's yeah. so eighteen, hundred percent. And we would have put Prince in if he wasn't already in. Yeah, Prince is right. already in. So we we got that one right ahead of the game, ahead of the death game, unfortunately. But Gary, for some reason, you know, look, there's a lot of people over fifty in our town. He's one of my favorite people ever. For some reason, it never occurred to me to put him in, and that's uh, on me. But he's in now, and sucks to never wear the vest. But it's still we awesome. kind of talked about it in passing, Richard, when it did happen. I guess mm-hmm. kind of talk about how you grew up on Shandling and and you you really were, I mean, you introduced me to his comedy. Yeah. I I, I knew who he was from Larry Sanders, but you were like, man, this guy is on another level. He is on another, he was on another level and, uh, and still is such an influence on like, he's, he's like trying to think of like an equivalent in, in some other field. You know, he is kind of the band that all your favorite bands like, and he's the comedian that all your favorite comedians like, and you know he he would really push the envelope and change genres so that everyone else could really flourish in those genres and that's such a cool skill and he also was such kind of a yoda figure to so many generations of comedians and all of that has been said a million times but what people forget is just him alone he was so freaking funny and his timing was so good and he was such a great writer 
and so smart and so careful and delicate and beautiful in his comedy and uh, a very good actor too. I thought like the, the it, Brian is about to start binging through Larry Sanders and you'll be shocked at there's some dramatic parts in there and he's great. He's he's a really was a really great comedic actor and dramatic actor. So, yeah, it sucks that he's gone. And it, it yeah, I, I found him by accident when I was like in eighth or ninth grade. We got like free HBO and on the HBO comedy channel, you know, they had Larry Sanders show on every night. And I just started watching it because I liked I was always obsessed with talk shows. And I was like, oh, my. And it was such a huge influence on me. And uh, I I bought the box. I have like six different. I have like the best of Larry Sanders show. And then I have one well, of the full box that came out a few years ago. I bought that. And it's and Brian has it now and we'll never give it back. But uh, it's going to be on HBO. It's going to be for those of you who've never seen it. Uh, HBO reacquired the rights to the Larry Sanders show. And that will be airing here soon. It's going to be on HBO Go and everything again. And definitely it holds up. If you like Arrested Development or The Office or any of these shows that have kind of come, they they stole so much from where, in a good way, you know, from Larry Sanders' show. It was so ahead of its time. And Gary Shandling's show as well, which was on Showtime for two or three years, is also great. But Larry Sanders' show is definitely the masterpiece. And uh, check it out because Gary was the man. Okay. So, but you guys got to vote. So you voted, Kent. You say yes, right? I say yes. So, Brian, your vote doesn't matter. But what do you think? Well, that's good because that guy sucked. No, <laughs> I, love, I love Gary Shandling, and I miss him greatly. Not as much as Richard, because no one misses Gary Shandling as much as Richard does. Uh, maybe Judd great Apatow. dude. Maybe Judd Apatow. Uh, maybe his family. I don't know, but probably not. Um, one of the i think you hit it on the on the head there richard it's it's not even so much of what he has done it's that every person that we have ever appreciated post larry sanders every show that we've ever really liked every comedian that we've ever really liked uh would tell you yeah uh you know he's one of my my greatest influences and that's a huge huge deal so totally yeah yeah side recommend is the comedians in cars getting coffee with gary shanling Mm-hmm. That came out uh, in the last season of Comedians yeah, in Cars. November, it was one of the more recent ones. I think and, it was his last interview, technically. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's so funny because they go, uh, Jerry Seinfeld and Gary Shandling go around LA. They're driving around. They're just talking about, you know, when they used to do stand up together back in the 70s together in LA when they were both starting out. And they stop by the comedy store and they're just talking about. And Jerry's just, you know, reminding Gary, man, you used to own this place, you know, uh, so many people got their start here because of you, because of coming here to see you. And then they walk to the back where there's kind of a backstage area where all the comedians kind of, you know, the green room area. And there's kind of a wall of fame there with everybody's headshot, all the famous comedians who have come through the comedy store and, you know, had successful comedy careers. And, you know, there's Gary Shandling's picture real big there with a big sign that says Gary Shandling. And then, Jerry's picture wasn't there <laughs> and he's upset about it, you know, visibly upset. And, and uh, Gary asked, he's like, what you you upset? You're not here. He's like, no, it's fine. It's cool. You know, whatever. And you could tell Jerry's kind of like, man, I, I got my start here too or whatever. And, uh, but it just shows you what kind of a comedian Gary Shandling was. Yeah. If they don't even put Jerry on there, but Gary Shandling's like one in front and center on their wall of fame. So definitely somebody who, is worthy of the uh, praise that he's been given and a hundred percent American treasure. If you guys are ever, if any of our listeners are ever interested in acting, here's a tip. What seriously watch uh, anything Gary Shanley did. Cause he was the master of like the very slow controlled response, which mm-hmm. everyone's always in a rush to be like outwit each other and outquip each other. 
And Gary would always have the funniest line in a scene, but he would definitely take his time and let it sit for a second. And then he would just destroy mm-hmm. you. And like, no one does that anymore. And it's so much funnier when everyone, he was just yes. like very calm, very Buddhist. And then he would just like think carefully and then just blow the room up and nuke it and walk out. And it was, it's so funny. He, he yeah. was the best. The pause is so funny and it's so underrated <laughs> if you can utilize it correctly. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. the gr- it's like this great comedic tool that no one possesses, you know? The best Gary Shandling joke is, uh, well, one of my favorites is my girlfriend, she, uh, she likes to talk, um, you know, in bed. And I'm like, can you put the phone away? <laughs> <laughs> Just that, that yeah. one pause is like, makes that joke seven times funnier. Yeah, that's great. Uh, rest in peace and you're 100%. You'll be uh, forever remembered in the Hall of American Treasures. Mm. But I'm going to give my nominee, who, this is somebody who, I thought his best days were behind him. And let me tell you, I'm surprised. I'm as surprised by his resurgence. As but then he ran is. for president and you're just yeah. like, yeah. all on board. I'm just on the Trump train. No. Trump would totally, too, so that counts. Trump would totally be American treasure worthy. If he had just stayed doing what he did, just being yeah. Trump and not banning entire ethnicities from the united states you right. know that like, is that is in our bylaws that's, that that's already in the bylaws yeah. few there we've debated people on the show before but they've had that they've tried to ban you know yeah. ethnicities and they didn't make it in so donald <laughs> yeah. no you're not uh you're not the exception but sorry Qaddafi. we wanted to make you one but <laughs> the whole ethnic sorry. thing sorry. our bad also you know? you're not american but you know yeah mostly the ethnic strike too right yeah <laughs> this is somebody who Honestly, America can't get enough of, apparently. Uh, he's everywhere you look. Every time you turn on the TV, he's Still there. Still hearing Trump so far. <laughs> and uh, and he's, he's taken over uh, daytime television. Yep. And this is... Uh, I'm going to bring to the table American treasure Steve Harvey. Oh, I like oh, this one. Oh, yes. <laughs> I do... I like missed, you know, Steve Hart. I remember him in Kings of Comedy. He was funny. He did a good set in that. But, you know, just kind of like an average comedian, I thought very funny. But something about him, like he he's brilliant at taking these like super mundane jobs and then just mm-hmm. owning like making them so awesome. Yeah. Like Richard Karn, uh, <laughs> Peterman or whatever, like they host Family Feud. You're just like, oh, my God. But like Stephen Harvey, Steve Harvey, like I'll stop down on Family Food if it's a Steve Harvey one because it's. Like what a stupid job that he just makes great and uh, yeah he's 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 hysterically funny yeah. yeah nothing but his face is funny like his expressions are, his comedians <laughs> yeah. and cars is awesome too with yeah. Seinfeld yeah they just roll in that awesome convertible through like Cleveland or something it's uh, fantastic but I love Steve Harvey Brian what about you totally in the uh, I've always really liked him even though I think he. <laughs> I think his career is not that great in some ways. Like he, he hasn't, there's been, he's done so many projects and all of them are like, it's fine, you know, but he, but I enjoy him in that project, whatever that may be. He said, he's so good on family feud. And that's like the most random thing in the world to be appreciative of. But, um, he did, there's one, I may have to look up on YouTube and, and tweet it out, but there was one not too long ago. Cause I had it on my DVR for a really long time. I would show it to anybody who 
happened upon my house, uh, would just force people to watch this episode of Family Feud where it got down to the the end, you know, and their their uh, the final five question thing. And the question was something like, I don't know, like something very innocuous, like name something your doctor checks in a at a you know an, an appointment. And uh, <laughs> and it's like a mom. A mom gives the first answer, and she immediately, just immediately breasts. And you're just like, well, that's kind of weird. Like, that, <laughs> I mean, that's not really a general office yeah, sort of, sure. is it? But okay, sure, whatever. And then the the son, he's probably, I don't know, 25. He comes out, and it, you know, asks them the question. And he, I mean, just immediately, he just goes, uh, you're junk. You're junk. And, uh... And Steve Harvey, he cracked so hard that he had to stop. Like, they stopped the timer because he just was, like, so taken aback by what, <laughs> uh, what was happening. And he, we just mentioned the pause. He has this incredible pause. I'm going to have to find this on YouTube and send it to you guys at least. He has this incredible pause, and he, like, puts his hands on his hips and kind of looks around, and he goes, y'all need to figure out a new doctor or something like that like, <laughs> y'all need to figure out what the what the crap yeah. doctor you're going to you know yeah. and it's just such an incredible joke uh and he's had multiple moments like that on show. he's he's awesome and this great whether that fun. whole weird uh yeah. was it Mutus universe he yeah. he totally owned that situation and so many people would have uh just never recovered and he was just like commercials making yeah. fun of him like a week and a half. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, that, also, that hammered totally, home yeah. in my my mind. Yeah, yeah, the sense of humor about one. So, hundred oh, percent. And 100%. Uh, it's so funny. He just comes out and he's like, "My bad, guys. It's my bad. <laughs> yeah, it's my bad." And he he owns up to it. And he's like, "Still a great night, though. Still a great night." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, there's this great viral video that's going around where they took. Uh, I'll send it to you guys. They take um, just stupid answers on Family Feud. And Steve Harvey's like, you know, he always makes like the face before he laughs and they just set it to really sad music. <laughs> and then like the, <laughs> the, title, the title of the video is like Steve Harvey doesn't want to host Family Feud anymore. And like you just change the music. He just seems so depressed. Like People will be like, you're junk. And Steve, Steve's just like. <laughs> da, 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 it's incredible da. to watch. Honestly, he's got like a johnny carson level of working yes. a studio audience like yes. not a, not a room like a you know a stand-up comedian would work a room but a studio audience yes. is he just completely he can work the long pause like no one nobody's business and and you know wait for people to the laughter to die down and just hit him with the one-liner like, yeah. like johnny charlie would do rose, you know? if charlie rose or like um you know the guy that does inside the actor studio if any of them were to retire, he, Steve Harvey would be like pretty high on my list to just like to sit at a table and interview people because his sure. reactions are he's so funny off the cuff. I don't know what good of a writer he is or anything like that, but he's a great like kind of spontaneous comedian. Also, he has a show that's called Steve Harvey and it's like the Oprah show. It's yeah, like yeah. a real daytime talk show. And he just talks to people and gives people advice and does. He's just Steve Harvey for an hour in, in that format. It would be interesting to see what he would do with a late night talk show, though, if that ever happened. That would be that would be kind of interesting. It would have been interesting to see what Gary Shandling would have done too. We know he was offered mm -hmm. the uh, late night show when Letterman mm -hmm. left, and they also offered the uh, late late show to Gary Shandling, and he ended up not taking either of those. But it would have been interesting to see what what he could have done or would have done with a his own late night show, a real late night show. Mm -hmm. But His fiction, yeah. fictional one is pretty good. Now clicking. Yeah, I think he's already. He's like, I've already done this. Uh, <laughs> this exact same thing almost. 
Jeffrey Tambor, by the way, as Hank Kingsley is among his best work, and that's a great actor. So enjoy Rip, that. Rip and Rip Torn. Show, yeah. Yeah, Rip Torn. Oh my gosh. He talks to that one woman that's a new president in network, and he goes, I've killed men taller than you in Vietnam. <laughs> Rip Torn is has an American <laughs> treasure quality to him as well. He needs to yeah. he needs to do more work. Remember when so he got hammered to... and drove his car through a bank and like tried to rob <laughs> it and he was like seventy seven at the time? Freaking baller, man. That's the most AT thing ever. <laughs> All right. Well, those three. That's a good class. Individuals. Yeah, that's a the fun apartment. May 2016 class. Yeah, they they all live in a in a bungalow actually <laughs> together. And just it's even creepier and like more supernatural because it's just those two and then Shanling's ghost. Right. And it's Very, a, the Jedi. The ghost. spirit of Shanling. It's the Jedi. The Jedi ghost. He just gives a lot of thumbs up. Okay, so that is the class. It's now time for our audible recommend. And this week's recommend comes courtesy of Richard Barton. Richard, what are you going to recommend this week? That's me. Hey, I'm going to recommend a new book that's out this month in June uh, by Chuck Klosterman, uh, a writer that has a lot of fans here on this show, a great uh, pop culture essayist as well as a novelist. But this is a, a book of essays around one theory. It's called, But What If We're Wrong? Thinking About the Present as If It Was the Past, or As If It Were the Past. And it's a great read on thinking about modern culture and what it will be looked at through the lens of 50 years from now, 100 years from now, et cetera, et cetera. And, and Chuck Klosterman is a great kind of out-of-the-box thinker on these type of things. So uh, it's definitely going to be an interesting read, a provocative read for all of you out there. If you're interested in this show, you're obviously interested in culture. And Chuck Klosterman is a great place to start thinking about that in a slightly more elevated way. So Chuck Klosterman, but what if we're wrong, thinking about the present as if it were the past, out now on Audible. So head on over to audible.com slash mad, audible.com slash mad, and download that Chuck Klosterman book today. Get on it. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Thanks, Audible. Yeah. And uh, so let's move on, guys. Let's talk X-Men. Sometimes being gifted doesn't feel like a gift. Nobody seems to understand you. Sometimes they're even scared of you. Wouldn't it be great if you didn't have to worry about hiding your gifts anymore? Hi, I'm Jubilee, and it wasn't that long ago when I felt that way too. But then I became a student at Xavier School for Gifted Youngsters, and everything changed. So Brian is the noted X-Man aficionado expert on the show, I guess. Okay. Expert spelled X-E-R-T. Yeah. Get it? That's why you pay us the big bucks, folks. (laughs) Yep. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this, Brian. Uh, This has always been a series that I really have enjoyed 
Mm-hmm. And it's off it's often forgotten. It's kind of yeah. uh overshadowed by the DCU and Marvel Cinematic Universe and kind of the controversy between the two and all constantly comparing the two. And it's like the libertarian party of superhero franchises. Oh, exactly. Yeah. It's all it's there and it does a solid job, solid effort. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's Gary Johnson. And we can we can applaud it at the end of the day, but yes. uh, it never yeah, really totally politics gets, gets to the top. <laughs> but it's it's been something I've enjoyed. I've enjoyed this reboot. I will admit, I'll be the first to say, and I've said it multiple times on the show, I really enjoyed the first-class reboot of X-Men. Dude. I thought that was a necessary turn of events after X-Men Origins Wolverine, and that kind of reset everything when that didn't perform up to expectations, uh, you know, critically and commercially. And their plan was, at that time, before X-Men Origins Wolverine, to do X-Men Origins Magneto and X-Men Origins, you know, Professor X. And they never really went that way, obviously. They, they kind of spun the origin stories of uh, Professor X and Magneto into first class. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, subsequently rebooted multiple characters in that film. And then they've kind of continued to reboot it up till this film, actually. Yeah. And uh, this is a bit confusing for me because I can't tell if they're still kind of rebooting this or if this is supposed to be the last in a trilogy. Right. It's kind of... Uh, kind of awkward for me to watch this and not really know what I'm supposed to think about mm-hmm. uh, where this franchise is going. But uh, I fall kind of right down the middle on this one. It does certain things very well, and it's mm-hmm. very sloppy in other areas. Um, mm-hmm. And it's going to be hard for me to decide where I'm going to grade this at the end of the day. But uh, I will say there were parts I really, really enjoyed, and there were you know a lot of eye rolls for me, too, in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm more interested to hear what you think, Brian, because... Like I said, you're way more into this than I am. Yeah, this is one of my favorite franchises, and I, I don't necessarily forget about it. But it, you're right; like it, it occupies this weird space because Marvel is just kind of Marvel has kind of obliterated all real superhero movie competition, and then DC just does a for all the stuff that they do really horribly. They do do a good job, <laughs> do do. Of making Pretty. it seem like they're in competition with Marvel or or like putting themselves in to the conversation. And then the Fox movies and the Sony movies that are superhero based, they just kind of they almost get relegated until it's like a month out from the new movie in the in the universe, and then you start, you know, oh yeah, I mean, we gotta think about those again. And it's an so it's an odd place because X-Men is by far my favorite superhero property. I Same. loved this cartoon as a kid. Like that was it's such a groundbreaking uh, use of of comic books in media uh, outside of comic books. It really did a lot to kind of bring about this revolution of. I mean, like we're we're so used to now of there are. I don't even know. This is the. I think this is the fourth superhero movie or comic book related movie that we've done this year, and we're not even halfway through the year yet. And there's there's others still to come. There are. Are I don't know a dozen, yeah, yeah. There's like a dozen TV shows that are based on comic books right now, and and that's not even really taking into consideration graphic novels and stuff like that. I mean, it's a huge, huge industry now, Um, and that totally was not the case in 1992 or 1993, whenever the that X Men cartoon started. Uh, It was a total game changer for that industry and really kind of propelled all this overload that we <laughs> that we have now but i loved i love that cartoon i that's the only comic books that i've ever 
I didn't religiously read, but I read several and love to get my hands on them. And, and just, they were such interesting stories. I think that the X-Men themselves are, um, far more interesting than almost any other superhero. Like I love Batman. Just if you ask me, Hey, what's your favorite superhero? Ah, It's Batman. And that's kind of a, like a stock answer almost, uh, because Batman is, so cool and um the the batman that we have come to know over the last 20 years outside of the most recent iteration is um uh you know kind of a dark mysterious character and that's but if you i guess if you were to ask me what if i really thought about it i guess i would i would say it's probably not a character it's probably a collection of characters and it's all of the x-men i just think there's so much more partly because their entire deal is like dealing with their humanity versus their yes. inhumanity the and that's best, what we, like allegory of like yes, modern society of totally yeah. totally yeah the cleanest yes and so uh, all that to say i think they're the most interesting characters i think that they their universe is the most interesting and i feel like it's really well when it is controlled and that's the big problem we'll talk about that in a little bit but when you when it is structured in the appropriate way it's a universe that really makes sense, even more so, yep. I think, than the Marvel or or DC. It it, it works on a there's like on an, an almost real level. Like you you don't have to make too much of a jump to to yes. feel like this is a thing that could happen. You know what I mean? And so there's an inherent I, logic to like yes, just that, that's a great way to put it. Yes, and so they've always been my favorite. I love these movies. Um, I rewatched all of them this this last week except for the Wolverine ones. Um and I even watched Last Stand, which is a terrible movie, but I own because it's in like a you know a three pack or whatever with the other two. And so I went ahead and, and rewatched it. And um I love I love these I love the characters. I love the actors that they get to play these characters for the most part. I think Brian Singer has done a tremendous job of casting. I know he wasn't responsible for every single one of these, these movies and, and first class is such a huge part of what makes this, uh, what makes this universe tick at this point. And I think that actually might be the best of the X-Men movies. And I don't know that I always, uh, have felt that way, but I think singer deserves a lot and Matthew Vaughn as well. They deserve a lot of credit for casting great people in these roles and, uh, and then writing pretty well for them. Um, up and up until this one i this one is a struggle for me and i'm it's i don't think it's as bad as the critical reception has been and i don't think i mean we had people tweeting at us like i thought batman v superman was better than this and that to me is idiot like i just there's no way like yeah. i can't see that at all but whenever an x-men movie isn't good i am more disappointed than i would be if like if Doctor Strange isn't good, I'm gonna be like, oh, that stinks, you know. But I'm I'm like I feel like coming out of the theater for Apocalypse, I was just like really kind of bummed out and disappointed because I I I love this universe, and so when it's not really good, it feels like a major disappointment and a major downgrade yep. from where we were before. Yeah, it feels as if this is the most, or it, it definitely was the case. This is the most by the books superhero movie that the X-Men have done maybe since sure. the first X-Men movie or the last stand. Uh, the last stand was just kind of out of control in, in a lot of sense. So bad. But it's the worst of the X-Men movies, but I would still rather watch the last stand than a, a lot of other superhero movies. I can tell mm-hmm. you 
I would rather watch it than, you know, Green Lantern or Daredevil right. or Catwoman. There are Fantastic a lot of Fantastic know, Four. Yeah. I, uh, you know, Fant Four Stick, actually. <laughs> uh, I would rather, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah, bad I by totally comparison, yeah. but by comparison to a lot of superhero movies, it's a, a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. But it just, it was a letdown as far as, especially to end that trilogy that way. Yes. Yeah. Um, but it's this feels, yeah, like the most by the books way um, to do it. It felt like the most cliche uh, of the three new X-Men films as far as what we've come to expect from a summer blockbuster. Right. And uh, I really felt the disconnect here between First Class and this because First Class, I don't know if it's Matthew Vaughn or if it's the way that it was just envisioned by by Brian Singer and Matthew Vaughn and the, and the production team and just the way they wanted to reboot X-Men. But it was so rooted in history, mm-hmm. First Class was, and the Cuban Missile Crisis and the... Uh, it just felt so authentic to the time it fit, you know, they worked off the historical aspect so well that it was just such a different way to tell an X-Men film. And this, this movie is set in 1983 and there are some callbacks to the 1980s X-Men um, comic series and things, but this movie almost could have been set in any time period. I feel like the, yeah, the time, the decades thing is just a gimmick at this point, and they're just sticking to it just to stick to it. Right. It has no bearing and a, on the and story. And a bad gimmick. A bad gimmick. Yeah, and where, whereas in first class, like, they actually worked it into the story effectively. Yes. And uh, it, it was definitely, you know, the, the scene with the Cuban Missile Crisis and them stopping the missiles and everything is still maybe the best sequence of this rebooted X-Men uh, series. But it's just a little disappointing. Like I saw so much hope in that first film for where they could take this. If if you had told me, you know, back in first class, yeah, they're going to do a decade with each movie, and each movie is mm-hmm. going to focus on a big event of that decade. Like if they had done the Berlin Wall thing here or something, you know, mm-hmm. maybe a Cold War aspect to this, uh, more of a Cold War aspect to this. I realize there were nukes and things involved in this, but they didn't no, you're really. Totally pay, right. That's a great. You know, point. you know what I mean. Like they yeah, really could have no, could have done idea. a better job right. and maybe worked these three films better together. I mean, yeah. this almost feels like a step back. This this oh, feels yeah, like it yeah. should have belonged. It should have been after First Class, and then Days of Future Past should have been mm-hmm. the conclusion of this trilogy, especially yeah. with the way Days of Future Past ends and it all yes. ties everything up in 100%. a nice little bow. Yeah. Uh, from not only the first three X Men, but. Uh, but with first class as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, this just kind of feels like they made it to make it, honestly, in a way. And, you know, Zach, I'm not Zack Snyder. Gosh. <laughs> Brian Singer. Brian Singer uh, will Sick, say, bro. you know, that this was his plan the whole time. This is stuff he wanted to do with The Last Stand. That everything has been leading to this. It just didn't feel that way. It didn't feel like it had the epic conclusion that I expected. Mm-hmm. It certainly did on it on a scale standpoint from as far as the visual effects and everything, we haven't seen destruction like this in an X-Men film really before, uh, you know, to the, a worldwide destruction. But I felt there was a lot of destruction, but almost no tragedy. There was no mm-hmm. death. You couldn't feel worldwide death in this. You see buildings fall, but there's no impact on the anything. Kit loves death. We should, you know, we should reiterate. I do. That's, <laughs> I live on it actually. There, <laughs> You know what I mean? It just felt no, yes. totally. as the same way, the honestly, were... honestly, more than Man of Steel. Like, Man of Steel even had more tragedy than this did. You felt yes. like, wow, they really are destroying these people's lives by destroying the city. Here, it's just fallen buildings, and I don't even think we see people other than the X-Men while they're fighting. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Uh, it just didn't, it didn't have that epic sense of scale that I would want from a conclusion 
of a of a trilogy if this is in fact the the final one and this is I, maybe you can comment on this more brian but i feel like this is an an x-men movie for x-men fans more yeah. than it is a movie that you can take any uh you know your kid to see if they haven't seen the the other ones yeah there was a lot of stuff and I'm, I'm into this series and we've reviewed these movies and and we've talked about them and on multiple occasions but there were things i needed to go back mm-hmm. and look up uh, at the end of this mm-hmm. i wasn't yeah. familiar with the weapon x storyline at all i wasn't familiar with the four horsemen and their origins really at all so it, it kind of took me a while you know after I, I will say after i went back and, and looked into some more stuff i did like the movie more uh and this is a movie i would like definitely again on a second try because i would see more things and anticipate more things but uh can you comment on that maybe that it was a little maybe over the general audience's heads as far as the amount of references and the amount of characters that are being worked mm-hmm. worked in? Yeah. yeah. Well, th- I think yes, and I think that's I've been kind of a proponent for that sort of filmmaking within these franchises over the last 3 years like nothing drives me crazier than sitting down for a franchise movie and then spending 30 minutes having the movie like explain what has happened in the previous installments to me, because I feel like we're at a point where everybody who is seeing this movie has seen these movies. And so just trust that the audience knows what's happening. What this hold does on, to like, me, hold on was were Bruce Wayne's parents killed. Or... <laughs> Cause I'm still fuzzy. Right. On that. right. Yeah. We just... had to rehash that every Batman movie. <laughs> right, right. Right. Poor old Martha. Um, you guys are not answering my questions, but okay. <laughs> But this, I think, takes it kind of a bridge too far of, like, it's trying to... Part it, part of the problem is that this entire X-Men universe, it's not nearly as tight and as pulled together as the MCU is. And so if you're trying to do callbacks to a movie that came out 16 years ago, which is when the original X-Men came out, you're right. trying to call back to that, and at the same time, within the narrative, it's like an Inception thing. It's like you're trying to call back to a movie that came out 16 years ago, but at the same time, you're also trying to call back to events that happened in history 50-plus years ago and then jump them forward 10 years. And so, and at the same time, to, to just totally muddle the whole thing, I really like Days of Future Past a lot as a standalone film, but in hindsight, it really screws up this whole this entire this the biggest uh, universe because is, yeah you i'm constantly throughout the course of this movie like i'm constantly trying to figure out how this okay where does this come in the timeline and has this timeline changed or yeah, not yeah. and is wolverine you know like all these it's it's too there's too much and time travel is a really is a really sketchy thing to bring into any movie or tv show i've always liked it in this universe because number one I grew up on X-Men having a lot of time travel aspects to it, so that's just kind of part of the story to me. But number two, I feel like they've always pulled it off really well. Okay. And um, and I thought they did very well with that in Days of Future Past. I know some people d- disagree, but it worked. It worked really well for me. Now, though, you've got multiple timelines overlapping each other, and they're not, you know... I typically don't get hung up on this kind of thing, but... In 1983, James McAvoy was four years old, okay? And so he's playing a guy who will be 60 years old in 2000 because that's how old Patrick Stewart was in 2000. So he's got to age 
56 years in the next <laughs> 17 years. Right. And, and that's not, it really isn't something that I usually stick on. And I think that for the, that and like Alex Summers, Alex Summers looks, he actually looks younger than he did in first class. And now we're 20 years later, he should be like 46 years old, I think, 42 years old. And he looks like he's 19 and his brother is in, I don't know, like a sophomore in high school. And it's, it's an, it's a really, the timelines don't work at all. And I think the real problem is the movie doesn't give you enough to, it doesn't keep your attention well enough to, to keep your mind from thinking about those things, at least for me. Cause again, I don't feel like I get stuck on that kind of thing very often. Like that's not a, cause you're stupid. Yeah, because I'm a really dumb person. No, like, I don't nitpick on that kind of thing very often. I don't feel like that's a thing that is is a big issue for me. But for the first hour and a half of the movie, I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, this is just too, it's too convoluted. It takes way, way, way too long to get the old band back together. And so you're just like, you're, you're left kind of like, stuck thinking about well, that, how does this work and where do I where does this go and what are we doing and and that's a that's a problem that's that's a narrative problem in addition to Definitely. these are just so they're these movies are so spread out and they take a, take so much um liberties with the timeline that now it's too it's too confusing it's just straight up too confusing so so to your point Kent I think it's a it's partly that the, these movies are so confusing but, and yes it is partly because i i feel like this one more than any of the others it almost relied on not that you have seen these other movies but that you have like really good retention of what has happened in those movies and that maybe you have some outside knowledge of what happens in the comic books to make this all work yep. and i don't think that that is a recipe for uh for success it relies on you already knowing all that and and to your point most of the people, not most of the people, maybe the target audience wasn't even alive when X Men came out. Yes. So that's all it that really right. tells all you need to say. Uh, right. You know, that was 16 years ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't think they care about those X Men movies. I don't know how many parents are like, here, Timmy, sit down. We're going to watch X Men 2000. You know, I just don't know if that's <laughs> right. a thing. It's not right. Star Wars, you know. Um, and. Like you said, there there are so many callbacks, but it doesn't make sense. Maybe the biggest plot hole of all with this whole timeline, this Days of Future Past thing, Brian, mm -hmm. is the fact, why can't... <laughs> this is the reason, maybe the, the main reason why they should have made Days of Future Past the final one. And there are actually two reasons. One is to bring back the old cast. You, yeah. you have to assume that, um, like you said, they're still going to look like that at the end of the day. Because once you rebooted with First Class, you could have totally erased Patrick Stewart from the equation. Mm -hmm. Like that version of Professor X. Yes. And Ian McKellen and yes. uh, Storm yes. and all of them. As if when, when James McAvoy gets older, his Professor <laughs> X isn't going to be Patrick Stewart. Like, right. There's yes. this inevitability yes. with an X-Men that, that uh, it has to be Patrick Stewart, that Professor X. You know what I mean? Like yes. they couldn't possibly reboot pa Professor X because... Right. Patrick Stewart's just that iconic in the role or something. I don't understand that, you know? And if you're going to do that, make it to where it's like at the end of Days of Future Past and or something, I, and uh, and it kind of ties everything together in this big bow, and that's the end. And then when we're done and we're right off into the sunset together, and, right. it, and, it's, and it all works, and Brian Singer has not only, you know, started up uh, X-Men, but he's also, you know, saved it and uh, yes. brought it to yes. its epic conclusion. And that would have been... That would have been great. So to pull that card when they did, 
is confusing. And then right. they go back on it like they did. And, and okay, now we're back at the old with the old team now. Hmm. And th- maybe the biggest plot hole of all is why don't they just go back in time and keep Apocalypse from waking up or keep yes. stupid Moira from shining <laughs> the sun onto Apocalypse right. and starting yeah. the Apocalypse? You know what I mean? Like. Now 100%. that we know we can go back in time and stop anything we want from happening, why didn't right. we just don't just do that every time? That yes. there's going to be a cataclysmic event. So then right. there's that's, that that's whole the thing. That's the big problem with time travel. It, in any <laughs> film, if you open up the wormhole of time travel, then you have to be really specific in how you close that that loop. Maybe hole. the biggest, and this is, isn't something we talked about in Days of Future Past. Our review of that, Brian, I noticed big time on this last rewatch, is. So are they just sitting there around Kitty Pride and Wolverine for just like four weeks while he's back in time? You know what I mean? Because <laughs> yeah. they cut yeah. back to her randomly, like right. I'm losing him She's and things like that, there, yeah. and they're all sitting yeah. around him. So right. I'm just sitting there waiting for however long it's going to take. You know, yeah. I didn't understand that yeah. that it stretch like of time. Odd, yeah, I agree with you. But no, I think you're totally right because that's that. I think that's the biggest problem with the whole movie is, I think that they have done. I, and and the, what sucks is like I didn't I not only did I not mind it I liked it until this point until we got to this movie and I was just like oh okay now I kind of see all the problems with this is I think they they have tried too hard to um essentially to have their cake and eat it too like you you can't you can't do both the first class the reboot that whole thing and the old guard you can't have them they don't work together. Like if you exactly what you said, Ken. If you want James McAvoy to be Professor X, totally good with that. That's fine. He's very good at. It. He, he's good in the role. He's a good actor. All that stuff. Like that's fine. Um, but you can't. But as soon as you keep bringing in all these, how do these characters interact with? The, how do they become each other? You know, and how do they? Yeah. It, it, it's too much, and and it's a bummer because I really dig. I think you could do both. I really, I maybe, I don't know, maybe Star Wars is what's going to prove this, but the fact that Rogue One is going to be set completely different time period than Force Awakens, that may be confusing to a few people, but I think it's going to be so good that people are going to get over it really fast. I think you could do both. I think you could be doing original cast X-Men movies set in 2020 and new cl- first class x-men set in the 60s and 70s i think you could be doing both i think you could be pulling them both off if you don't if they don't have to interact so elaborately as they have thus far in this series and and now i think it's too late i think that that was possible prior to this one but yeah i think this one has set it on such a weird spinning path that you would have to reboot to make it happen, and you—I don't think you can do that because the last two movies were essentially reboots in their own right, and I, so I don't—I don't think you can—I don't think you can start over. I think we're kind of stuck. I like the new Cyclops and Jean Grey and Nightcrawler. I thought they were really good, and I think it speaks to Brian Singer as a as a caster. He's very good, very good at that. I think you can move forward, but I don't think you can keep jumping back and forth and keeping the old group tied into this it just doesn't it doesn't work and it's too much it's just it's overstuffed this movie it's only two and a half hours long but it feels like four and a half hours you know it's just there's too much trying to compete for for screen time and so you don't get enough of any of the stuff you like and you are getting too much of the stuff you don't like richard what about you sorry we've we've i've dominated the conversation what no where do you fall on this 
So I love this uh, universe. Like, you know, to echo a lot of things you said, Brian, I think it's, yeah, it's, the, I, I think it allows itself. I like its universe better than any, even like the Dark Knight. I mean, I love the Dark Knight movies and the performances and the writing is, is far superior to this. But like the potential of this universe is great. The things you can say with it, the things you can do with it are, Brian, you and I have a great memory of seeing First Class together. <laughs> yes, yes. Not only the memory, but also just the movie was really good. And then Days of Future Past is good. And I rewatched it like two weeks ago. And I never do that. So that mm-hmm. tells you how much I like, you know, this this universe. And, and I liked it less than I did the first time, but I still really loved it. You know, this has some really cool moments in it. I really did enjoy, like, of the two and a half hours in there, I was having fun for like an hour and a half of it. Um, so I'm not going to, like, totally crap all over this. But, you know, it, it it does seem like they really wrote themselves into a corner with this. The frustrating part is I feel like if we sat around in a room for a few hours, we could write them out of it. And they just kind of refuse to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I'm, we're not that smart. <laughs> so that's why it's annoying. Not that I'm some genius, but it's like it didn't have to be this way. Mm-hmm. I think the thing X-Men needs, it's such an expansive thing and it's such a you can do so many cool takes on it that this is definitely a series where no one should direct uh two movies in a row like i'm glad that brian singer came back for days of future past that matthew vaughn didn't get a go at it Mm -hmm. but i wish someone else had come in for this one yeah and you know because you try to like kind of pin tonally things together this is such a cool universe that it's kind of fun when people come in with like a totally different tone yeah that exists in this because it's going to be the same characters right and we saw the same kind of thing with, with uh, you know, Civil Wars, basically, in an Avengers movie. But it was cool to see the Russos do it. Not Nothing wrong with Joss. Joss is great. But it was cool to kind of see a different angle at it, mm-hmm. even with the kind of umbrella of Disney over it. And, and this needed, I think, Apocalypse needed a different take than Days of Future Past needed. And it would have been more effective in the hands of a different director. And that's something in Singer, personally, I think he's done some great work, especially in this world. And App Pupil, which is a movie I watch nightly. <laughs> big App Pupil guy. You guys didn't know that? No. No. Oh, yeah, I'm a big App Pupil guy. I knew you were into Every... Nazi stuff, but... Uh, <laughs> no, but mostly App Pupil. Mostly Ian McKellen work, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we'll just gloss over that. But no, but really, I mean, he's very talented, but... Big Devin Sawa fan. Mm-hmm. Yep. He was my favorite. He yeah. was my favorite. Uh, is he dead? I think he is. Maybe that's... Yeah. He was Stan in the Eminem video. He can't be dead. I'm pretty sure he is. No, no there's not. another. It's, like, yeah, it's Brad Renfro, Brad Renfro that's, that's dead. dead. Yeah, he was in another Nazi movie. Go ahead. Sorry. No, he was an app pupil. Brad Renfro was an app. That's pupil. that's who I was thinking of. Sorry, yeah, go. got my got my heartthrobs mixed up. <laughs> Continue. Yep. Well, file back through your teen beats of the mid nineties. <laughs> yeah. Hey, my sister had all of them. That's the only reason I knew who Brad Renfro was. But go ahead. I was kind of a. Uh, you have no excuse. You just loved him. I had a sister. Well, I was a. Yeah. A lot of people were JTT guys. I was always the Zachary Ty Bryan. Yeah. ZTB guy. I was a ZTEB hardcore. ZTEB. Uh, <laughs> a Teber. Yeah. Teber. It was a pretty loyal community of Zachary Ty Bryan devotees. He had the sweet ponytail. But. What tangent have we gotten off on? <laughs> I love this. Back to the Brian obvious. Singer. Go ahead. Yeah, but Brian Singer's good, but I just wish I don't know. Who do you guys think would have been cool for this? I I, I was trying to think when I was watching the movie because it's such a huge scale. 
And we were talking lately about directors that have an eye for scale, and I don't know if he necessarily does. Mm -hmm. And so he's great. I think Singer brings a lot of humanity to this, and he's great at, like, you know, what's great about First Class is it feels like a very human movie, and that's, and I know it's Matthew Vaughn, but, um, you know, that that's what Vaughn was great at, and I think Singer grew on that with Days of Future Past, and I wish this is so huge that it would have been, who do you think would have been cool for this? I, know, I, I, was, I got it, somebody. Sure. Justin Lin. Yeah. Yeah, that would okay. be fun. Sure. Yeah. I, I, you got to think somebody who can kind of do the bright tone of X-Men, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Justin Lin did that with Fast. You know, it was it was an action movie, but it also had an air of fun to it. And I feel like that's what X-Men has, has been. Um, sure. It didn't take itself too seriously at any point. I don't know, Brian, but who would you see directing this, or who could you see... Maybe taking the reins from C- yeah. From now, I on. like the idea. I think I would say I've got a couple that I I could think of, but I think the main thing is they needed Kevin Feige, and we've said this about DC as well that they need a real strong voice who's not directing the films to kind of guide what's happening. And it that's you know, Ben Singer. Yeah, and and that's fine. I think the problem is that he's also the one who's he has skin in the game. You know what I mean? Like, and it's not just he's not just. Uh, sitting back and producing and trying to do what's best for the franchise. He's also just kind of human nature. He's going to be, he's going to kind of lean towards what he wants to do. And that may not be what's right for the franchise. I like singer and I think it's he's like done a some coach. Really it's good also work. a GM. And yes, it's a hundred percent, hundred percent. And that's, that's not, it's typically not a great recipe for, for something to work. So I, I think they need somebody making decisions. Who's not directing the films. I like to see Gareth Edwards take a chance at take a role on one of these movies. I think he has a great sense of uh, of that kind of scale that you want from these. Obviously, he has a Star Wars movie coming up, so it's not like it's going to happen anytime soon. But I love I love Godzilla. I love what he did with that. I'm super stoked for for Rogue One. Um, he's doing another Godzilla, actually. He pulled and out of that, but they're I don't doing know if... Godzilla versus King Kong too. They're bringing back right. King Kong. Right. They're bringing with that Skull Island movie. They're basically doing a cinematic universe of the universal monsters, yeah. including uh, King Kong, including like uh, Frankenstein and the mummy and uh, all the old universal yeah. monsters. So they're, they're going back old school, I guess, with a lot yeah. of these movies. If he's involved with those, that's not a great use of his time, to be honest. He's I think he's better than that. But regardless, I, I'd like to see him have a shot at it. But more than anything... I think you're right, Richard. I think this is a franchise that if you put somebody at the helm who really knows what's best for the franchise and and has a strong direction of where this whole universe is going to go, I think it's a it's one that would be suited for, you know, uh, somebody comes in and does a one-off and then he's followed by somebody else who does a one-off and she's followed by somebody else who does a one I think it works that way. But they've got... I think they need a strong voice deciding who does these, th- you know, what happens and where the the movies go. But they've also they've got to pick a they've got to pick a timeline and and go with it and stop trying to do all of them at the same time. It yeah, just it's, doesn't, it's doesn't hard, work. It's hard for me to imagine X Men without Brian Singer because every film we've had has been Singer except for The Brat and uh, Matthew Vaughn. So yeah. outside of Wolverine and Deadpool and things, right? But. Well, we'll have to see where they're going to go with Wolverine 3, which is confirmed. Mm-hmm. And they're setting that up to be Wolverine's last ride. They kind of set that yeah, up in this movie that it's, way. It's Old Man Logan for the yeah. – if you haven't – I've got that graphic 
novel sitting on my my desk here um and i'm excited to read it and that this is that's his last go hugh jackman's last go is as wolverine so and it's getting it's gonna gonna be pretty hard r rated and yeah seems like it's gonna be pretty good they're gonna do x23 apparently that's how they're gonna reboot uh wolverine okay basically that that's what i've heard and that's what i gathered from the post-credit sequence yeah about you one of my uh, friends that I've got a buddy Daniel who's uber comic book nerd guy, and so at the when the credit rolled, the the, the post credit scene, all of us that went together, we kind of just turned to him and said, "Okay, Daniel, explain what that meant." And that was what he said: yeah, X twenty three and Mister Sinister and or Doctor. So they Sinister. basically, Richard, to explain this to you, uh, they they clone Wolverine, <laughs> they spin him off, they get his they take his DNA, they take it from him. <laughs> they they spin off Wolverine into the X twenty three, and that's basically the new Wolverine. It's a female mm-hmm. Wolverine, and so that presumably will be introduced in the next Wolverine movie, and that'll be the new Wolverine from now on. That's what I would think how they're gonna mm-hmm. go with it. Would pass the torch, sure, uh, to the next person. But a lot of this seems like setup. I mean, there's a lot of characters that we really like. But none of them spend any time together on screen. This is one of my biggest <laughs> complaints of this movie, is we really have started to like these relationships between these characters, between Magneto and Mystique and uh, Professor X. Mm-hmm. And they have almost no screen time together in this yeah. movie. Um, that that really kind of ticked me off, um, especially the way they use Magneto. Uh, I yes. really like the intro to Magneto and the scene with his family and when he he's kind of hiding out and everything and mm-hmm. uh, saves somebody at his at his uh, new job or whatever. Um, I guess he works in a steel mill and um, gets discovered, you know, his powers are discovered and he has to come forward and say he's Magneto. He kind of reveals himself for the first time. It's very emotional. You know, Fassbender does a great job in that scene. It's a very, he's the very best. well done scene. And that, so that's good. like, man, I, that, <sighs> I was going into this thinking this is the last, you know, X-Men movie of this series of actors and everything, uh, given the performance and the, the buzz and everything, especially. And then I saw that scene. I was like, I really don't want this to be the end of Fastbender as Magneto because yeah. I really enjoy this character. And that scene, you know, when he when he turns evil and everything, that's really the only kind of Magneto scene that I was like, oh, yeah, that's what I wanted to see. After that, yes. when he gets recruited... It's kind of downhill from there, and it's just they just take him away from uh, the relationship he has with with Charles, and that's that's what I really like is the one on one, the chemistry between them. And half this movie is like Apocalypse is getting his team together, and Mystique is getting her team together, Mm -hmm. and the Sandalina team. And by the time it all happens, it's like we're two hours into this thing, right? And uh, a lot of it seems like set up for things to come. A lot of the new characters, I will, I did. Kind of enjoy uh, the new character. I, I liked uh, Jean Grey, mm-hmm. and I liked Cyclops. I thought that was a cool way to kind of introduce Cyclops. They'd never really done that before. They haven't they haven't rebooted him at all in any way. I enjoyed that, and of course Quicksilver. We don't talk about him enough, but he's the star Great. of these movies yeah. now. Yeah, and at least they figured that out. And the the highlight of the movie is his sequence when he rescues everybody from hundred percent. Yeah, from the school. That's- it's all. It's a great sequence. It's it's more of an extended version of what we got in Days of Future Past, which I appreciated. Like if they're gonna bring it back, give us more and give us what mm-hmm. we want. You don't don't tease it or give us less or just. Uh, I, I think we actually got two kind of sequences that way. Yeah. Not one full sequence and then one kind of a half sequence towards towards the hop- uh, end. 
to hop in real quick though, Ken, yeah. I did like in the recruiting scene um with with Apocalypse when he said, you know, you know, good for us and good for America and good for fans of justice <laughs> and truth because you're on that team when he was recruiting this team. And he got Vicky St. Elmo. Yeah. I like that part. Yeah. Yeah. That was a pretty good part. Then they went to the Pentagon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was my favorite. So great. <laughs> I hated Psylocke, Olivia Munn. That's the most pointless character that we've had. I found a pretty movies. good point. <laughs> I know you did. And there's the only one reason she was in the movie. We all know it. Uh, and, and you're looking at her costume like that can't be efficient in any way. And then you're like, yeah. and then you look at the comic and it's the, most, it it's the exact same costume. And yeah, it's the most it's sexed out character. Out of the and it's like, comic, how yeah. can we, it's just like they were going through every X-Men comic. They saw her like, how can we get that into the movie? Yeah. How can and, we get Olivia Munn to do this? Right. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it just made it was pointless. There's a but part of that is it's not just her character. I think she's the the front runner of the pointless character. It's yes. that there's like eight million characters in the stinking movie, and so her Psylocke, Jubilee, Storm, Angel, uh, they're probably forgetting a dozen others. They have like twelve Nightcrawler. lines combined. Nightcrawler at least is he's kind of like the third wheel in the in the Jean Grey Cyclops sort of thing, which I enjoyed. I thought that was, that was kind of fun. I want, I'm, if they do more of that in the next, whenever the next X-Men movie is, then I'm, I'm good with that. But those characters, Storm and Psylocke and uh, Jubilee and Angel and others, just cut them out because there's not enough time clearly to give them any kind of any lines or any development. And so it just, you know, you, you come away thinking like, what, who is that? Who is that person? What does she do? We know who Storm is, so that's fine. But what does Psylocke do? What is her power? It's, I guess it's sort of, you can see it on screen, but it's not, I don't know. It's just an odd, yeah. just stop, stop stuffing superhero movies with 9,000 characters. We don't, <laughs> we don't need that. Yeah. Man, we need to talk about Mystique. Um, I don't know how to feel about it. Because this is, this seems obvious that Jennifer Lawrence kind of phoned it in here. This is their last movie, come to find out, in her X-Men contract. Uh, it seems as if she's like, I'll do it, but I'm not going to be blue, like, at all. Or <laughs> I'm going to be blue as minimally as possible. And it makes no sense character-wise, because she did that whole mutant and proud bit yeah. in the previous films. And here, she's barely blue. And when she is, she look Mystique looks terrible. In these, this reboot, I will say, how can you look that much worse 16 years later in the makeup department? Um, yeah. It's like they just dipped her in blue and like on her forehead, they put like some little like stickers or something. It's, yeah. it's just, it looks bad. I mean, at least give it a little bit of effort or don't do it at all. You know, it, it just looks cheap. And um, I, I'm just so disappointed with how that character has worked its way through here. It seems like they're writing her out of, of this. And and I just felt this was the most wooden of the ones we've we've had of her in this series. The whole still, we are a they, team, we are the yeah, X Men. Yeah, it was like just, really <laughs> you're an Academy Award winner. Right. And like this is what we're getting right now. But well, I I don't think they gave her anything to do either. That's I don't think she cares it. anymore. She's so happy. She's she's so happy that Hunger Games is over. She's like it's done. <laughs> she true. like yeah. when everyone anyone asks her about it, she's just like it's over. Like, what do you want me to say? You know, <laughs> I can't go back and change it or whatever. 
Um, I think she feels kind of the same way as this, and it's fine. Uh, maybe it's because she doesn't get to work with the actors that she signed up mm-hmm. to work with, like the Fastbenders and the McAvoys. It's just her on a green screen uh, or painted blue. So she she might feel like she's past it. I hope not, but you know they do kind of set it up for her to be the new leader of the new X-Men sure. in the next, if they do continue this or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you feel about her involvement in this and what we got? I mean, Brian. I like J-Law. Yeah. I mean, I love, I love Jennifer Lawrence. She's one of my favorites and I think she's an incredibly talented actress, but it, to me, it, it kind of falls down to, again, it's just like, there's too much happening here. There's too many characters. There's too much overstuffing. Nobody gets a second to breathe because like, even Fassbender, Fassbender is one of the, I don't know, five most talented actors in the business. I mean, he's just, he's incredible. And I, having rewatched all these movies this week, I think his performance, this may be a totally unpopular, I'm going to get backlash from this. I think his performance in First Class is the best superhero-based performance in any of Fassbender? these. Fassbender? Yes. I the think way they set it up with the incredible. Holocaust and everything yeah. is in that scene. There, he has so much intensity. It's, oh my gosh, That scene when, so he, when he puts the coin through the guys when he's at yeah. the restaurant and he's drinking the beers, and mm-hmm. yeah. that is an incredible scene. Like he, he's, yeah. he's remarkable, and he's so good in that role. And even he in this movie, I wouldn't say that he phoned it in. I wouldn't say that Jennifer Lawrence phoned it in. I think they just had so little... They just had so little to do when it all comes down to, at least as far as acting goes. Uh, you know, most of the time that both of them are on screen, they're just, they're on a green screen. They're not doing any any acting, and that's that's fine. It's fine. It's just, if the reason for that is because uh, there's so much happening that we just don't have time to let these two really incredibly talented Academy Award nominee slash winning actors do any work, then that's a problem. And that's a, that's a misusage of their time and their value to, to your movie, you know? Yeah. That one scene, like I said, with fast man, it was just such a tease. Like it was so good in, right. the, in the woods and, uh, there's so much emotion. There's so much power behind it. And, uh, I wanted that. That's like what we got in first class. And I wanted, I just wanted more of that here. Um, the whole reversing the poles of the earth, okay, that was kind of cool. What, how did you feel about um, Apocalypse the villain, um, or Oscar Isaac as Apocalypse? I thought he looked pretty bad. Um, I know people go out and defend uh, Apocalypse. I thought he looked bad. Um, mm. it, it was one of the yeah, one of the that more. That was my biggest critique of the movie. It was so. very Ivan Uzi to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, early mid nineties, two mid nineties for me. And uh, you you want to see kind of that sensibility, the comic book sensibility in these films, but the line is kind of weird to draw with villains nowadays, you know, with what you can get away with looks wise, the mm-hmm. believability of things. It's probably the hardest part of these films is crossing that line of weirdness, you know, and this one was just kind of what this is it, you know, um, but as a character. Uh, I like Oscar Isaac. I just wish they would have given him more to do or more yep. of a character or, you know, him to put any of his acting ability whatsoever. That could have been anybody. <laughs> Why did they yeah. get Oscar Isaac? It could have been anybody. Totally. Yep. Um, he didn't even play a guitar one time. So it's pretty, <laughs> pretty disappointing. It was disappointing. <laughs> but do, do likes or dislikes as far as the villain aspect of this? I just, he wasn't intimidating. It's the ultimate x-men villain right like it's supposed yeah. to be the yeah. uh I, I don't know the mandarin of this franchise right. or whatever 
Yeah, but it just takes it to a, a huge level. I I think that's my biggest issue with the home. The timeline stuff is is out of whack, and there's a lot of stuff that, that needs fine-tuning. <sighs> but we just talked about how one of the things we really like about X-Men is the the humanity of it and the that it feels rooted in not necessarily science, but like not too way off sci-fi, I think. And when you bring in Apocalypse, who is a very galactic sort of all encompassing huge villain, you take the stakes and the scales up and there's, there's a point at which I think that's fitting. And then there's a point where it just becomes just, it's, it's too far and it's, it's way out of whack. And when Magneto can stand in the air in Egypt and pull over shipping containers in like Indonesia or something, yeah. it's it's out of whack. It's too far. Like you've gone too far. You've you've supermaned it. You, I don't know it, why Apocalypse is shown the ability to vaporize people with his thoughts. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't he just vaporize every enemy he sees? Like why? You know, there's yeah. so many like little holes like that. Um, yeah, throughout so, this. I guess it's partly that the channeling of whatever, regardless, it's to me, like, I don't care about the destruction porn element of it. Like that's never really, I don't care. It's never really bothered me, but I do think it's, it, it changes your, your film. It changes the stakes of your entire franchise. If he can do that to literally the entire world at one time, instead of just like, well, he ruined Cairo, but everyone else was okay. You know, it it just, it changes how, the whole universe ticks and I don't, I don't like that. That's what I've said a million times, but that's the main thing. I, the main reason why I don't care about Superman is because I don't find him interesting. I don't think his stakes, there are no stakes involved because he can fly backwards around the world and change time. It just, it doesn't work. And so it doesn't, it doesn't engage the audience. And that's something that I think X-Men has always done well. And, um, this, this one did not do that very well to me. Man, that, that changes. Where things. the villain completely lost me was when he wakes up in 1983 and like touches the TV and yeah. learns about everything about humanity. It's just a really it was so way dumb. To do it. I was yeah. like, oh, like yeah. we're gonna go like that. Like, well, and, I just couldn't you, believe what, that what they went said, like that. That was like yeah. a Joel Schumacher like yes. plot. Like oh. you would have seen that in Batman and Robin. Like, and, I, I couldn't believe that they did that. In the Ice Age. The Ice Age. <laughs> yes. It, it was just, that, was, that was rough. I don't know. So rough, dude. I could <laughs> not, I, it almost lost me completely at yeah. that moment. Um, and, ugh. But, man, there were some fun parts of this. Like, I'm just yeah. so conflicted. I don't know what to, I don't know what conclusion to draw here. Other My- than maybe... <laughs> How did you feel at the at like walking out of the theater? I have I still have hope here. I think this can be salvaged. This isn't a this isn't a a, a killer by any means. Like I, yeah. I think they should still make more films with these actors. Right. And I think yeah, they no, will. No. I don't think this is I don't think this is the end of it at all. Yeah, I walked out thinking again that that was a disappointment, and then I'm bummed out when those when X Men movies don't work. I'm bummed, bummed. Yeah. Because I I really love that franchise, but I will say this: my our friend, a listener, Emily Tate, we would see the movie together, and she said, uh, "So I'm going to steal her point." She said, By "I the think way, I, Brian I, will just go see movies with listeners." So I know, just I'll call me just up, just hit us. me up on Twitter, or you'll fly uh, your city, yeah, and just see whatever. Movie. Yeah, uh, for the right amount of money, I will. No, um, 
but she said, I, I like that. I think I like that because I like the X-Men, not because I like the movie. And I think that's spot on for me. I, I didn't hate it. I enjoyed parts of it. I enjoyed watching the X-Men. I did not enjoy this particular film, I think. And that that's a bummer. And I, I don't think it's an ender for the franchise, but I do think there's questions that they need to be asking themselves and they've got to course correct and get it and get it working right. I feel the same way. And it's frustrating, but uh, like I said, I think there's hope around the around the around the corner. I think that the studio is just trying to get to the inevitable Deadpool slash Wolverine movie that's going to mm-hmm. eventually happen. And I think they could maybe even do that without another X Men film. So maybe they go that route. Maybe they just do Wolverine three, and then they do Wolverine Deadpool after mm-hmm. Deadpool two, and then see where that takes them. Maybe work some X Men into that, and then spin that off. I don't know. I just don't know if they can. If Brian Singer's not going to do it, I don't know if they would be willing to say go all in on another standalone X Men film at this point. When they yeah. they know that their money in X Men is with Hugh Jackman, I think they've discovered that, <laughs> and uh, they know that they're they've got something great in Deadpool, and uh, maybe they'll just go that route. But who knows? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where they go from here for a lot of reasons, but but one being. They don't have an X-Men movie lined up right now. Like it's not there's right. there's nothing on the calendar right now. The next few movies they're doing the the Gambit standalone movie and so how does uh, that work? Because like so as long as they make a movie in the universe, they keep the rights, right? It doesn't right. have to be X-Men branded. So it's not gonna go away if they don't right. do it's not right. gonna go to Marvel if they don't make no. an X-Men X-Men. Okay. Yeah. Their next three movies are Old Man Wolverine is March of next year. March. That seems weird. Uh, and then Gambit is is probably October of the, of next year, and then Deadpool two is 2018 at some point. And so they don't have anything just coming straight down the wire. I think X Force is in the works somewhere, and there's a lot of talk about what could be next. But so they, in some ways, they've done it. They've they've done it much better than DC because at least they're not already in production on another X Men movie based on this movie, and then they're kind of hose because they weren't prepared you know what i mean like yeah so there's there's time there's time to, to correct and figure out what you're gonna do but i i i think the next step is a really important one and i think they've got to they've got to choose wisely on what they're gonna do and whose hands are gonna be you know involved with this i agree it'll be a very interesting thing to witness and discuss on the show and i got i have high hopes i really want this to be good um and i know it can be yeah, uh, this is kind of a step, not necessarily backwards, but not up, not off forward at all. It's kind of we're this kind of movie kind of it didn't didn't really break any new ground, and that that's a disappointment for sure. Mm-hmm. I agree, but I uh, wish it hit grades here. I'm gonna give this a B minus slash C plus. Like it's right in between those almost. Mm-hmm. It's almost a a high C low B for me, right? I 100% agree. That's that was going to be my grade as well. B minus C plus. I feel like we've just trashed it, and I do think there's stuff about it that that is fun and uh, and and usable if it, moving forward. The people that I know that have loved this loved all the other X Men movies or or love the X Men growing up. Like mm. I said, this is an X Men movie for X Men fans, and that's yeah, that's but, the conclusion I've been able to draw. But I feel like I'm in that camp, and I I don't love it at all. You know, well, you're I would also put this, you're also a movie critic. Let's be yeah, real. Yeah, that's true. I would put this 
fifth or sixth out of the the eight films that we've that we've had in this universe and that's a bummer because it should be it just feels like it should be better but, but like i said it speaks to how good the previous films have been yeah yeah but i think there's i think it's salvageable and i think there's stuff here that works and there's fun stuff that can happen i i really i think the biggest thing that it has going for it is the cast it's got a they've got a great cast whichever universe they decide to base any of the next films in as long as they will pick one of those universes, I think it can really work out. I really feel like, uh, as, yeah, as long as they have McAvoy and Fassbender, yeah. they can do whatever. As yeah, long as they have those two. Quicksilver and the new, the yeah, new young class. I think that works really well, but you've got to freaking stick to the timeline and stop jacking with it. I, anyway, I, I think I'll go with a... I think I'll go with a very soft B minus. And how confident uh, was it for them to say, yeah, the third one's always the worst one on the franchise? You know, that line, like yeah. so confidently, like trashing on the last right. stand. Like, yeah. well, this movie could arguably be the worst in the. So, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. they're kind of you know, digging their own grave with that line. They might yeah. come back to haunt them eventually. Totally. But there are a lot of little callbacks like that. I thought that one was funny. The, meta stuff. Yeah, the next one when when uh, they release Wolverine into the wild and yeah, and Scott Summer says, "Man, hope we don't see that guy again." I was just like, yeah. "Okay, come on, knock it yeah. off!" Like it's too much. And when Moira shows up, and again, why why do we have to bring her back and have that whole plot line with her getting her memories restored and their love coming coming yeah. uh, memories coming back? And she's I, a I, she's I, Rose Byrne is a beating to me. <laughs> Well, I think we've talked. That's my half. My neighbors hate is yeah. because of that. I wrote this down before we started. I went with a C plus, which is probably the rarest grade I've ever given. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. We don't give a lot of C's. We give a lot of F minuses and then B's and A's. But uh, right. I'm going to go ahead and go C. Okay. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. So... We will have to watch this one, and uh, kind of disappointing that we're all three giving this a, a C uh, coming off of the the previous two films. That's sure. the biggest that's the biggest takeaway from this discussion, mm-hmm. I think. Yep. So let's uh, hit a recommend. Weekly recommends. Brian, I understand you have a guest recommend. I do. Uh, so we started at the beginning of the year. We've been taking donations. We don't talk about it too often because we don't want that to be the focus of the show uh but you know this is an expensive show to run we don't make any money off of it and uh it, we would love your help to uh to make that happen we may kind of pay our bills if you're interested in doing so you can donate on our website com. any amount of your choosing 
if you donate fifty dollars or more, you get the opportunity to uh, throw in a weekly recommend. So uh, this this weekly recommend comes from a, a listener. His name is Brian Simpson. He's actually a, a buddy of mine. gave me a, gave me well, pretty much my first job, at least my first job in the in the industry that I'm in now. Uh, way back in the day when I was a wee lad, uh, he runs a company called Triumph Sports. TriumphSports.com. They do youth sports camps all around the pretty much the state of Texas, Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston, Austin, and uh, they're branching out into other areas of the country. So if you are in the the area, you have a kid who is in an age group of like 5 to 12, maybe 5 to 13, that you're looking for desperately for something for them to do this summer so you can get them out of the house, I feel your pain. Go to triumphsports.com or email them at info at triumphsports.com and uh, you can sign your find a camp, sign your kid up, and uh, they do great work. And my uh, girlfriend was wondering if she could sign me up for this to come. <laughs> yeah, I want to go, man. I miss camp. I love camp. We could all sign up to be to be uh, counselors or coaches. That'd be fun. Okay. We could do that, cool. yeah. uh, and we can just ruin ruin the youths of America. No, uh, check them out. It's I can teach them all about Barry Sanders show. Like yes, that. exactly. So check that check that website triumphsports.com or in, email them at info at triumphsports.com. Awesome. There you go. Sweet. Large chunk of our audience will really enjoy that. Sure. I have a feeling. So what's your recommend, Brian? My recommend this week, I'm gonna kinda keep it kid friendly in the in the uh, with the Triumph Sports thing. My son, who is three, randomly like a week ago, he just goes, I he got really angry at me for we were watching some, I don't know, some cartoon. And he he just started literally yelling at me that he wanted to watch Ninja Turtles. And we've never watched Ninja Turtles in the entire time that he's been alive. Uh, I don't know where it came from. I'm sure he has a friend at school or something that's really into Ninja Turtles. So I went out the next day and bought him uh, a few Ninja Turtles DVDs. And uh, we started watching. First, I tried to get him to watch the classic show. And he was okay with it, but pretty quickly wanted to move on to the more recent show that started in 2012. And it's really good. And I've I told you, I told you, him. dude. Yeah, it's, it's real, awesome. It's the best yeah. Ninja Turtles that's ever been. <laughs> it's out. really fun. Easily. It's a, it is a lot of fun. It's um, there's enough like kind of vaguely adult level humor to keep me interested in whatever's happening. The voice acting is really good uh, yeah. with. Sean Astin and Seth Green and some other people that you you know you would may Rob, with Rob Paulson yeah Rob Paulson Pinky in the Brain fame yes yes yep. and uh, May Whitman and so it, it's anyway we've probably watched I don't know fifteen twenty episodes and uh, it's really enjoyable I've, I, if you've got a kid it's great if you don't have a kid I think you would enjoy it just the same especially if you have any Ninja Turtles nostalgia. Uh, and it's great because it's so it's serialized so well that mm-hmm. each episode kind of builds on the next one. They're, yeah, they're independent of each other, but they it is one big story for each season. Yeah, so that's I appreciate that too. They actually did write uh, spend time in uh, yeah. in crafting the series. It's definitely the best turtles. If it's you're really into that. cool, and I'm sure I've, we'll I've talk about that. Yeah, if we do talk the new turtles movie, mm-hmm. that'll be another point we make. Is like why can't they just do what they do with the <laughs> right. TV show? Yeah. But that's a that's a different story. Yep. Good recommend though. Um, I'm gonna recommend we we kept it local. Uh, Brian, mm-hmm. local band, new album. Gotta support local bands. Uh, if you have local bands that you want to recommend, you know, give us a little donation and send them our way, and we'll we'll plug their music. We love to plug independent artists on the show. Uh, Quaker City Nighthawks, a nice. local band, uh, just released their new album. 
mm-hmm. called El Astronauta. And it's a, they're a great band. Maybe the best local band around, DFW. It, they're really popular, blues rock, uh, just classic rock uh, band. And they're all kind of young guys, so it's not kind of old people music. And they kind of put a new spin, a modern spin on old rock and roll. And they're straight rock and roll. That's what I can tell you they sound like. And uh, really, really good album. And it's just a matter of time before they... You know, bigger and better things for them. I'm confident of that. But uh, really good album. It's on Spotify. Quaker City Nighthawks. Uh, Richard and I uh, went to high school with their guitar player mm-hmm. slash vocalist. And so uh, a little connection of, there. There's a uh, Leon Bridges documentary for those of you who like Leon yeah. Bridges. Uh, Sam's featured in that as well um, as right. someone who kind of was an early influencer, you know, person in that. So yeah, no, they're a great band. They, been listening to them for years and and uh it's starting to kind of happen for those guys more and more every day and couldn't be happier for them and they're that but you know yes we know uh sam and and we we like them but the music's really good so even if we didn't they're they're great so great recommend okay i still think troublemakers is the best yeah best uh, local band fourth yeah. christian band but right. i would say they're close second and then ftsk a distant 50th <laughs> thanks no, hey dude i'm just being honest appreciate that we're definitely behind quaker city as far as the fourth christian bands go but leon bridges yes. also a local artist uh from yes. fort worth and so yes, hopefully yes, leon can turn some heads toward fort worth because there's a lot of great acts in mm-hmm. in fort worth that need to be discovered sure. so check that out what's your recommend richard I've got a book uh, that I've been meaning to read for years and finally read uh, due to <laughs> terrible circumstances, but it's called I Would Die For You, Why Prince Became an Icon by Torre. And uh, it's kind of an interesting essay on uh, the fact why Prince's kind of uniqueness to the Gen X culture made him more of an icon than just a musician. And mm-hmm. uh, certain things in his life, certain things in Gen X culture uh, that that – Lended themselves to it, so really, really good read. Short read, probably about 180 pages or something, uh, but but very, very good. And uh, I highly recommend it to any music fans or culture fans that are kind of interested in the structure or study of these things. It's a it's a good read. I want to tease something. Uh, the three of us will be at uh, Dallas Comic Con this weekend. Yeah, fan, fan Expo, Fan Expo Dallas, I should say, and uh, we'll be hanging out. So if you're coming to Fan Expo Dallas, or you live in DFW and you're coming out for the weekend, yeah, come come say come, come say hi. The three of us will be coming around. We may or may not have some interviews coming out of there. That's always kind of hit or miss with people's schedules. Mm-hmm. But if we do, we'll definitely post them on the show. And we'll definitely talk about our shenanigans next week. But yeah, stay tuned to the Twitter. This week we'll we'll be doing some periscoping from there. We'll be doing some people yeah. watching and fun tweeting and things like that. We'll definitely be documenting the experience that way. I never recommend to like put us as a notification on your Twitter, but maybe do that for the next five days. It'll be good. Mm. Good times. Yeah. So until then, uh, where can we find you online, Brian? You can find me on the old Twitter at bgill 12. You can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. And one more plug. You can, you will be able to find our writing on the mad about movies newsletter, which will come out. Uh, next week next monday june 6th is yep. our our release date so rich and i've been collaborating on a little piece and uh so check this out and make sure you subscribe you can do that on our website and uh we'd love to make sure you you know we want you to stay in contact with us we, we want to we want you to see what we're writing so that we have value in our lives uh richard where can we find you 
Yeah, and that domain is madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash newsletter. Uh, sign up. We've got a bunch of subscriptions, but if you haven't yet, do it. You'll get this issue new um, when it comes out next Monday. It's it's going to be a good one. It's, we've got some really funny stuff planned. Uh, you can find me at Richard Barden on Twitter or at richardbarden.com. Kent, where can I find you? You can find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison. Find our show on iTunes every single episode. Find our show online also at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. That's the place where you can donate the amount of your choosing if you choose to do so. But we do ask, if you like the show, leave us five stars on iTunes because that does go a long way. Yeah, do it. Write us a little review. We like to hear what you guys think of the show. Write it out. Until next time, we'll see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I've got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me yaya, yeah, yeah. the salads and scrambled eggs.